You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Get ready to survey. Can I get in trouble for that? I think that's like a trademark thing, isn't it? <laughs> People go, what are you talking about? It didn't sound like anything I recognize. Hey, uh, so the Jeep Talk Show, we know how much you like taking surveys. So, well, wish no longer the Jeep Talk Show has a new survey just for you, the listener. Go to JeepTalkShow.com and just look for the survey in the menu bar on at the top of the site. Well, wait a minute, Tony. Too complicated. Yeah, exactly. And my question is, what's in the survey, Tony? I mean, what is it? Well, we ask you questions and we want answers and we don't pay you for it. So that's... Uh, oh, one of those surveys. Okay. Cool. Well, you I know, hope everybody does it. You guys are aware, I think, that uh, uh, Josh, Wendy, I think you guys are aware. We made some changes here recently in the in the past several months to the show. And uh, due to my nervousness, I'm always con- concerned that, you know, it's just that one little thing, that little straw that broke the camel's back. And we don't want to listen to you no more because you got this... The silly thing that you're doing. And I mean, beyond just the regular show. Not the first time it's happened. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the last, apparently. <laughs> so let me just run you through this. I don't think you guys know this yet either because this is fairly new. Um, uh, do you know, and, and please answer individually. Let's, let's see how, how you jive with everybody else. Do, right. do you know that there are three episodes a week? Josh? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. How, I, I know. how about you, Wendy? I wasn't sure I got that. Mo- yeah, no, I know. Yeah, there's three episodes. Absolutely. So 8.3% of the respondents did not know there were three episodes uh, in the show. Oh, wow. Which is a good re- reason for me to read Well, this. we did only plug it for, I think, like six or eight episodes, and then that was yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. That's it, true. It's just like Jerry yeah. said. It's the, it's the audience's fault. They were horrible that night. Uh, <laughs> so do you listen to the weekly Wednesday roundtable ta- round episode? I know Josh's answer on this. Yeah, no, night night. I don't listen to the show much anymore. <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> I know. How about for, you? And and for me, it's a hit and miss. Sometimes I get to, and sometimes I don't. So to be fair, it's about fifty fifty. All right. So ninety one point seven percent of the respondents uh, listen uh, to the Wednesday roundtable episode. Fabulous. Well, there were three of them, so I mean, it's high percent. <laughs> uh, so I, I like this one. Uh, if you do not listen to the roundtable episode, why not? And one respondent said, and this is an essay version, right? no no fill in the blank. Uh, I listen and hate I'm not on it, but so much of my commute is done enjoying the show. If I attended the roundtable, I don't listen. That makes me sad. <laughs> I get it, though. I get it. So, as you can tell, the survey has a lot of questions about the roundtable episode because it's brand new. It's very different than this main show that we do. And I even—I I guess I shouldn't even call this the main show. They're all main shows now because of course they it's, are. it's yeah. all part of the, the, the plan to take over the podcasting network. Joe yes. Rogan, we're coming for you. <laughs> if only. Everybody else is after him right now, so why not? Uh, Apparently. Just, just one, <laughs> one plug on his podcast. That, that's all. Too much to ask? Yeah. No, it's not. Even a bad plug would do would do wonders. <laughs> Actually, if he hated us, that'd probably get more listeners than if he loved us. Oh, <laughs> we just get Joe to. I mean, it's just a, rant. a scandalous tweet. <laughs> Those fuckers at the Jeep Talk Show. I can't stand. <laughs> 
and it just just a tirade just goes off on us. That would be that'd be amazing. great, amazing. Well, mm-hmm. Josh, Wendy, this reminds me of something. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never drew anything but Jeeps, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Joe Rogan. Jeeps. Close enough. Jeep, unless, you, unless you're Joe Rogan. That's right. <laughs> unless it that gets us a Jeep. plug. And we'll talk about Joe Rogan. <laughs> there we go. Well, welcome to the show, Jeeper. Now, get in, sit down, hold on, and shut up. I'm just kidding. We'll be talking about the price of a certain Jeep that just came out and how one Jeeper completely screwed 50 other motorists in one single move. It's epic. You've got to hear this. And we've got an all-new must-have. And later, we'll talk about suspensions around the campfire. Well, howdy, everyone. It's Wendy. And today, I'm going to share a day at King of the Hammers. Hi, I'm Tammy. And coming up on Jeep Life, how to be a Jeep girl with confidence. Jeep Mama's top five confidence builders for Jeep girls. I'm Tony, and it's 29 degrees at Studio A, and there is a little snowflake symbol next to that 29 degrees. Please send your warm blankets to Southeast Texas. Oh, I thought you were easily offended when you're cold. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for some snowflake uh, comment from you, Josh. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, you can tell it's saving the planet one strip mine at a time by the blue badging and tow hooks. Well, <laughs> Jeep is still claiming that it's pronounced 4 by e but the Grand Cherokee 4XE, as I'm going to call it, has been released as well with its cost estimate. And a few other little uh, tidbits of information as well. We're going to go through this a little bit right now. Now, what do you guys remember of the the e the four by e Wrangler's range? Wasn't it like three miles realistically or something? Yes, off road yeah. three point two miles. That's right. right. Yeah, uh, well, it was three. They're claiming, they're claiming twenty five total miles of estimated EV range for the Grand Cherokee four XE. If you're but towing it, it and the air conditioning ooh. is off. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we need a drum roll for that twenty five miles. Ooh. Kinda, now, that's not off-road. <laughs> that's not off-road. I'm guessing oh. that this would have the same three miles or less because of weight uh, that the Wrangler has, but I, I don't know. Now, the plug-in hybrid version of this Grand Cherokee is actually the most potent Grand Cherokee that they've got in the lineup. The 4XE is actually more potent than the Grand Cherokee Standard V6 and even the optional V8. That's right. This plug-in hybrid is more powerful than the V8 Grand Cherokee. It comes with 375 horsepower and 470 pound-feet of torque. That's a pretty good amount. However, with all that grunt and and all that go, the 4XE Grand Cherokee only has 6,000 pound towing capacity, which isn't as much as the V8 or even the V6, which even has 6,200 pounds of towing capacity. So the hybrid does, however, take the top spot in price. It comes in at a whopping price tag in the base model of just under $60,000. So if you want the Grand Cherokee 4XE base model, $59,495, and it goes all the way up to the Summit Reserve 4XE with a whopping price tag of $76,095. Now, the big question is, okay, well, if I'm going to pay that much, how much am I getting? Or, you know, what am I getting out of all of that? How much exactly is the hybrid drivetrain in all of this? Well, if you go to the configurator over at uh, Jeep.com, you start plugging in different options and stuff like that and building Jeeps virtually. And it's actually quite fun. You can go out there and, and kind of make whatever you want and see how much it'll cost and all that other stuff. Now, taking a, a base model Grand Cherokee gasoline engine and then sort of adding in the options 
to get it up to around that price tag of $60,000. Well, you can end up with a difference between around $7,000 to $10,000, depending on what trim and, and how you configure it out. So roughly, the 4XE hybrid uh, drivetrain for the Grand Cherokee is going to run you an additional seven dollars to $10,000, get you less towing, but get you more grunt off the line and stuff like that. Is it a, uh, a good trade-off? I don't know. A lot of people are looking for uh, looking for uh, you know SUVs right now, and they're looking for the hybrids. And there's not a lot of options as far as hybrids in the SUV world. This is one of them. It happens to come up with a uh, a big fat price tag, and well, not exactly a a uh, lustering, beautiful range of specs on this thing. So we're going to see how this how well this does in sales over the years. It's still a lot of money for a plug-in. Yeah, sixty grand. Uh, because I think uh, the top, top, top of the line early. I got it before all you other bastards did. Uh, Gladiator was sixty grand mm -hmm. uh, when it when it first came out. So uh, this is a little bit on the high end of the price tag. Now the Grand Cherokee has always been a little bit of the uh, the pinnacle of Jeep, if you will, at least as far as modern uh, technology goes. Now Grand Cherokee of yesteryear, the ZJs and stuff when it first came out. Well, it was you know pretty much Jeep's only luxury vehicle at the time, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and it came with a pre hefty price tag as well. You got a lot of creature comforts. You usually had a lot of leather and a lot of other stuff as well. Certainly a comfortable ride, and usually had a lot of power. Now the 4XE kind of follows in suit with that. You got a lot of tech in this vehicle, and it's going to be well well appointed as well as far as trim and and uh, and you know luxury comforts and stuff go. But it's just not the same capabilities as what the Grand Cherokee was of previous generations. So, again, I don't know how well this is going to do, but I think, uh, you know, the, the green weenies out there are going to go be bending over backwards to get this thing. Oh, man, I haven't been to a, uh, a stop and go in a long time and seeing, <laughs> seeing their hot dogs. That's... Uh that brings they back call memories. Green weenies? <laughs> oh, you never, like, you never seen those weenies that are there for like uh, three weeks past their, oh, their prime? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they turn green. The, I don't the know ham kind of has a green. rainbow sheen, sheen to it. Rainbow Tony, sheen. Yeah, I've seen Tony, those in 7 Eleven. Tony, you, you definitely have to travel outside of your little sphere there and get out and get some other experiences if you're looking at those green weenies. <laughs> so, hey, you do what you want to do on Friday nights. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, there's a great story of the with the Grinch that I'll tell you when uh, we're in the Christmas holiday. Oh, so dear. the uh, let me ask you: Do you guys think that people are really interested in electric vehicles, or are companies trying to keep up with Tesla? Because Tesla is just kicking down EVs ass everywhere. Well, I, you know what? I would say depending on where you live. So California, they're pushing electric like you cannot. Oh yeah, leave. you're the wrong person to ask. <laughs> exactly. So for me personally, I don't think it's you know warrants it necessarily, but I'm a little holdout. So, but I do think in California, it's definitely pushing it. So, is Jeep doing the right thing to try to keep up? Sure, why not? You're in the market. Everybody else is doing it. But I wonder how many of these you know, electric vehicles are actually going to be around in, let's say, five years. And by the way, what are we doing to the planet to get this lithium battery? Exactly. I, well, I, I have to say it. I have to say it. We're stripping well, that's the how I. That's how I planet. started this segment. I was saying, you, you know, no. you can tell it's trying to save the planet by its blue hooks and, and, uh, yes. and, and the blue badging, you know, one strip mine at a time, because exactly that's exactly what happened you, you strip a a massive amount of earth away to to mine up the minerals and the uh you know the rare earth materials to to make these batteries 
Uh, and it's not good for the planet, people, but you go and, ahead and keep on flying. And when we remove the oil, we just stick a straw down there and suck it up out of the ground. No it, no, no, harm, no foul. Sometimes replace it with water. Uh, so, well, yeah, yes, no and, and there's other things you can do with the things that they don't use in the oil when they bring it up. You know, you make candle wax. You do all kinds of different stuff with that. Yeah. That byproduct. So oh, I only, I, I only I use uh, whale blubber candle wax uh, for me. God, that's been out long, Tony. Explains <laughs> why his clothes smell the way they do. Yes, oh. and, and, and those green weenies, by the way. Okay, now it explains everything. Tony, to, to answer your question more directly, you know, we saw the success of the Wrangler 4XE. Now, I think a lot of that came with the heritage behind the Wrangler badge. I thought you were going to say heresy. <laughs> <laughs> not, not necessarily. Well, you know, I suppose it could go both ways there. Uh, but no, I, I, and some of that I think is probably the 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 tradition uh, and the heritage of the Wrangler itself. Not necessarily. Ooh, this is an electric vehicle, and it might be fun as well. Um, I, I really think a lot of it had to do with people were just you know Wrangler fans. They wanted something different. Let's check this out. I'm checking a box, and it's a lot of virtue signaling. They wanted seventy five hundred dollars from the government off their taxes. Well, there's there's the <laughs> well <package>. maybe. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I, you know, I, I don't know if this is just a trend to follow. Now, Jeep did mention that you know their entire lineup is going to be um, partially or you know f- somewhat electrified by 2025 or something like that. So you know, this is sort of just playing into oh, yeah. that. Oh, hey, it's part of the we've plan. got we've got to put this up. This is us being green. Check us out. Look what we can do now. Buy our vehicles. This is dumb. dumb. It is dumb. They're putting a lot of effort into this, and it's not ready yet. I mean, twenty-five miles. I mean, literally, this is what's going to be the problem with the Grand Cherokee. Yeah, I'll race you in a quarter mile, but you got to be on internal combustion. You can't use that uh, that <laughs> that electric boost, electric yeah, yeah that electric engine because yeah. that's not fair. I'm not going to race you pink, so you got to you got to disconnect the batteries or something there, dude. Yeah, seriously, I. You know, Again, and kind of what Wendy was saying, you know, where are these things going to be in five years? Is that 25 miles still going to be 25 miles or is it going to be 15 because the batteries have degraded? Right. Right. I, you know, there's a lot of questions here and I'm with Tony. It was just, we're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. But we're selling them, damn it. Well, somebody who wasn't ready and probably got to the event a little bit late uh, is this guy. And I almost wanted to give him the A-hole of the year award, but uh, I think the other guy who has already won it uh, really kind of topped this guy. But nonetheless, this is an epic move, and this guy deserves an award of some kind or another. Now, Park City is a little town just outside and just east of Salt Lake City in Utah. You know, you guys have all heard of those towns. And they had a very busy weekend last week. Now, even though the Sundance Film Festival was held virtually this year, people still flooded the town that usually hosts the annual event. The local police department over the weekend stopped numerous drivers for traffic violations, including speeding, as the community drew a bunch of crowds. Now, there was also a glut of parking problems. Now, not out of the realm of expectations, right? When something like the Sundance Film Festival is happening, even if it isn't happening. (laughs) So it's no surprise then that most of the cases resemble those that are usually logged during busy times in events like this. However, in one of the more spectacular parking complaints, the police received a report of a vehicle that was left in a Lowell Avenue location where it literally blocked other drivers from leaving a parking lot. Oh. The police logged the case at 12.27 p.m. on Friday, the middle of the afternoon on January 28th, after a string of complaints. Public police logs indicated the, the vehicle was described as, quote, an old, dusty, white Jeep Cherokee. 
Now, the owner of the Jeep XJ, Jimin, demonstrating an epic example of not giving a flying F about social decorum or parking <laughs> etiquette in any way, shape, or form, blocked off an entire row of the parking lot so that all 50 cars couldn't get out. <laughs> it was not clear from the amount of public police logs as to whether or not the management of the parking lot or the blocked-in drivers were the ones contacting the police department, but this poor Jeep, this monument to breaking the rules and not giving a damn, was eventually towed, and the people in the park who didn't have a lifted four-wheel drive vehicle that could just drive over the parking blocks and tiny shrubs and small <laughs> landscaped hill that blocked them in eventually left too. <laughs> now, the Jeep will likely be impounded, the driver will likely be ticketed, and we will likely never know the reasoning or what was going through this Jeeper's mind when he pulled the biggest F you to other drivers. Cue the snowflakes. We ought to uh, okay. <laughs> call the police department or the impound lot and ask if they're going to be parting out the, the, the Cherokee. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to fart that out? <laughs> There's a sensor in there I need to grab real quick. But, but, yeah. but honestly, you, you have to wonder, did this guy just not pay attention or did he truly not give a flying out? No, he... there's no way that you could just Seriously? not know that you're blocking it. Oh. In- 50 other cars. Maybe he had to use the bathroom or something. He had to run, you know, forgot. I don't know. I'm just, I'll be right back. Right I'm back. pushing cotton, everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, give the guy a benefit of the doubt. But no, anyway. I'm no, seriously. I'm play, trying to play devil's advocate here. I mean, you know, what? what's the reasoning behind this? Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, uh, maybe he was the keynote speaker and he just yes, you know, got, little, got there a little late. And it's like, Screw it. His uh, his Jeep right wouldn't here. his Jeep wouldn't start, and he saw a, a nineteen. I'm sorry, a, a 2017 uh, Grand Cherokee drive by that he was pretty sure was the the thing we've been talking about as far as the long test drive, and he ran to it to capture the guy. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. We'll never know. Maybe they're both in the Grand Cherokee now, and he can't get away. Hmm. Well, you've you've heard of uh, the term chasing ambulances. Uh, well, th- this ambulance was actually chasing a Jeep. Not really, but it's still a sad course of events that ended up uh, carrying out. An ambulance carrying a critically injured but non-life-threatening patient hits a Jeep Wrangler, and pretty hard, too. The accident happened on uh, westbound I-20 near the Tarbutton Road exit on Monday, 5 a.m. Both vehicles exploded in flames. The the Jeep burnt. Uh, You see the picture of it. There's really nothing that wasn't hit hard. Oh yeah. my goodness! It was, it was it, well, and and by an ambulance, a, a large ambulance too. So plowed into the back of this jeep, exploded in flames. The jeep burnt virtually to the ground. Uh, the front of the ambulance also received a significant amount of damage and uh, uh, and uh, flame damage as well. Unfortunately, the driver of the jeep was killed. Uh, the passenger oh. of the jeep was flown to a hospital. The ambulance passenger was taken by another ambulance to the Shreveport Hospital. Uh, originally, it was originally headed to, and uh, reports say that they will be okay. But unfortunately, the cause of the accident is unknown and is still under investigation. So interesting. You, so you know the jeeps are pretty badass. Whenever the ambulance follows them to get through traffic quicker, <laughs> right? <laughs> So I don't know if this was one of those things where maybe the person was from out of country or something doesn't know that you're supposed to pull to the right for sirens and lights. I you know I don't know. Or, or, they, or, or it's like an intersection, like maybe an intersection where he's not paying attention, didn't hear, and the ambulance is flying through, and bam. Judging you know? by these pictures, I don't know if it was an intersection like that. Looks if it, like was, it was, behind. I think it was pretty rural. 
I yeah. think it was okay. in, in, you know, kind of on the outskirts of town, possibly. Okay. Uh, looks like there's a fair amount of, of field and grass in the area that uh, these pictures were taken in. I'm not wow. seeing, you know, a lot of uh, traffic lights and, uh, and buildings around, stuff like that. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe it, because it was a distance uh, type of thing, two vehicles coming up to an intersection, one of them not paying attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this would have been a T-bone more uh, in that kind of oh, an instance. Oh, I see, yeah. Not ending. Well, so, it's possible that the, that the Jeep... Uh, was stopped, no lights, and the ambulance ran smacked right in oh, from behind. Maybe, yeah, that's right? a possibility. Or, or you know, the jeep uh, tried to zig uh, to get out of the way, and and Ooh. the ambulance sagged, and and maybe oh, they got yes. back of each other or something. You know, I uh, there's so many questions. Squirrel so was many. running across the road, and they didn't want to run over the squirrel, so they zagged back, and yeah, then this happened. I'm really very, sorry to hear about sad. the 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 death though, and yes. and I, I suppose it's possible that the top uh, burned up or came off or something, but it really looks like this jeep was driving around without a top on yeah i think it was a soft top jeep that that burned judging by the amount of flame damage on both these vehicles uh even even a i mean any kind of soft top would have just completely melted away so uh, yeah i don't i don't know you can kind of see a little bit of an outline of possibly what have would have been a uh, a door frame that would have been a, a soft top door frame top half or something like that i i don't know uh, pictures are not the greatest, uh, thankfully, uh, you know, because there was some carnage that happened uh, in this uh, accident. Somebody lost their life. I mean, we don't need to see that kind of detail. Uh, but nonetheless, tragic accident and uh, an unfortunate loss of life. I'd like to know if they had an aftermarket uh, rear bumper. I just get the feeling that uh, with a, a rear bumper, an aftermarket, a good aftermarket rear bumper, that that would have kept this uh, from happening. Certainly, the, the Jeep would still have been totaled, but I don't think it would have... Uh, 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 caused the uh, the fire from the gas tank. Uh, yeah, possibly open. not. I, I would agree with you there, Tony. Now, this does look like a modified Wrangler. Uh, this is a uh, what I'm assuming was yeah, a the white. Wheels, or, the tires or, are big. Or a light gray, possibly JK. I don't think this was a four-door. I'm not I got a TJ feel for it for some reason. Okay, I could possibly go that, that way. Either way, I, I could tell it's got uh, some aftermarket tires on it, uh, yep. possibly a, a mild lift on it nonetheless. Uh, but so, yeah, I would agree, Tony, probably the one thing this Jeeper hadn't gotten to yet and probably the one thing that could have potentially saved their life. Wow. Well, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, including this one, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, be sure to let us know what you, uh, what you have to say ab- about these stories or others. And you can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out to us. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Have you guys what heard about the uh, the 4x4 Radio Network podcast? You know about the, the shows that are on there? Yes, yeah. I do. I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've actually heard a sample of each and every one of these shows. I've listened to at least a couple few episodes of all of the uh, podcasts that are on the 4x4 Radio Network, and it's not because they're not good shows, it's just because I don't sit in front of a computer all day anymore. Uh, and, but uh, nonetheless, if you do or if you are into off-road podcasts and uh, into, that, uh, into that kind of audio and, and want a, a little something else to listen to, well, we've got a ton of great shows over at the 4x4 Radio Network website. Uh, we have the On the Trail podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast, even the Jeep Talk show is there. Tons of great off-road shows. It's all about the off-road, and it's all for free. It's all in one place, and you don't have to do anything except for go to the number four, the letter X, the number four, radionetwork.com. That's four by four, radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, how's it going, Deep Talk Show? I just wanted to throw out a suggestion. I uh, 
the watch with a lot of uh, rock calling videos, a lot of guys that are converting to uh, propane. And I was listening to your old Connor cast where Josh was doing tech talk on the fuel, and I don't know if you guys can get into this. Okay, or not. I uh, kind of was thinking about it on my vehicle alone, and uh, stuff you can get into that. But yeah, thanks. Love everything you do. And if you were curious about what a propane-powered uh, cell phone sounds like, no, I just obviously he wasn't. He didn't have a good signal there for something. That was it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen people with uh, propane, uh, and usually in trucks with a big propane tank in the back, and uh, from years ago. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, uh, too many Jeep uh, propane-powered Jeeps. I have seen some propane-powered V8s out there. Yeah, uh, some, some truggies and, and things like that. That that have. There's one that I've seen multiple times. It's an old uh, K5 uh, Blazer uh, frame. I mean, what's left of a K5 Blazer, I should say. <laughs> um, and it's been completely tube framed out. He's got two gigantic yellow cylinders in the back of this thing. Clearly, it's running off of propane. Uh, not that you could tell by the sound of it, though. Right. Uh, it still sounds like a big, big throaty V8, but uh, no petrol. So yeah, I've uh, I've been seeing diesel conversions over uh, in the XJs. I've been seeing uh, a lot of you know other four liter modifications and stuff uh, for the older Jeeps, but I haven't seen a propane kit, you know, off the shelf conversion type of thing that you could just sort of modify your four liter engine in your Jeep uh, uh, to to start running propane. Doesn't mean they're not out there, uh, but it's also one of those things to where. You've got to have a fair amount of propane on hand if you're going to be out wheeling all day. So yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, you've got to have the tank storage, uh, you know, as well. Jeeps are typically pretty small, don't have a whole lot of storage. You're going to be sacrificing a lot of very, very valuable space if you want to do a propane conversion on your Jeep. That's probably why I saw it on the, in the, in the bed. The, the tank itself was in the bed of a truck, taking up probably one-third of the bed. So I'm yeah. sure that's why. Yeah. Hmm. Good so, idea, though. Good, great topic. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, thanks for calling in. What? Where's the noob? Noob, 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 hey, noobie, noobie, noob nugget. It's time for noobie nuggets. Well, for all you race fans, this week is King of the Hammers out here in Southern California desert. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the king of all races within the off-road industry. This is a week-long event with different classes of races from dirt bikes to side-by-sides to modified Jeeps and rigs on up to the Ultra 4x4, which is the race of all the races. Mm -hmm. The races are grueling, to say the least, and this year they added 23 more rock obstacles and 20 more desert miles than previous races. I didn't know that. Yes, it's a, it's really bad. And if you look at the video, by the way, and see what they've been going through for the tri- for the trials getting up to this major race... How many people are flipping over and rolling over? It's crazy. Oh, good year. Yeah. And the, yes, it's going to be great. The The terrain the drivers have to navigate is a mix of speed in the flat desert to climbing over rocks with steep waterfalls and everything in between. And it's at speed, which means it's a race, I guess. Now, the big ultra 4x4 cars will get to just over 100 miles an hour on the lake bed. I mean, they have to be able to crawl, you know, have that great suspension and then race out in the desert at the same time. Now, racers come from all over the country to compete with the best of the best. Most rigs are set up beyond our wildest dreams as Jeep owners and have sponsors to support the massive amount of modifications, fabrications, suspension builds, etc. Some of these cars are pushing a half a million dollars. 
Now, these uh, there are events that happen each day with qualifying runs to get to the big race on Saturday, along with evening runs in the dark, like trail trial riders and rock hoppers that literally hop like a jumping spider up and over rock waterfalls that would blow your mind. Now, if you've never been or you live too far to travel to see this week-long event, you can tune into Ultra 4 Racing Live and see the actual races. I do have links in the show notes for that link. Now, we, we always try to attend at least one day of KOH and visit with vendors and watch the races from the big screen set up in Hammertown. But the real action is when you drive out to see racers at the many obstacles that are double and triple black diamonds. The crowds line up along the sides of the ravines and canyons and watch each racer traverse over and through the course. Of course, having someone roll over, tip over, or get a flat or break something is exactly what the crowd is waiting for. Now, one year we were there at an obstacle that had four racers that have that all had to winch themselves out of a difficult situation. And it was kind of more like who could get out of the rig the fastest, run and set up their line, and then winch back the fastest. The best racing we've ever seen. And sometimes if you're broken or stuck in the way, you get used as traction, by the way. Now, the other cool thing is the helicopters and drones that fly around capturing all the action. They do such a great job of catching all the angles, so you can watch it later. There are so many people attending, it gets crazy sometimes, but mostly everyone's just out having a great time. But if you can imagine a freeway with no lanes, no stoplights or signs, and everyone going at different speeds and different directions all at the same time, well, that's some of the crowds at King of the Hammers. The spectators are insane. Imagine side-by-sides and motorcycles weaving in between regular traffic and dust everywhere from all the traffic. It's so hard to see sometimes. There's one major road in and out, but trying to get anywhere, everyone just goes off the main road, and this creates such chaos. Most people out there probably are dry camping, by the way. And again, it's like organized chaos. There's no marked spots, tens of thousands of people all camping for miles and miles as far as the eye can see. Now, within all of KOH, there's a place called Hammertown, and this is where all the vendors and food options are. It's a sectioned off area from all the vehicle traffic, and there are big screens to watch the live action. People bring in chairs, they sit and watch all day if they want. The cool thing is this is also where the start of all the races are. So as the rigs are lining up for their race or getting their safety and tech checks, they line these rigs up in a snake-like fashion, weaving in and through the vendor rows. So as you walk around looking at the vendors, you get to see off-the-chart setup rigs of all kinds. And of course, who doesn't love the sound of a healthy V8 as they slowly make their way to the check-in areas? It's just a car lover's dream for sure. I highly recommend you come out to KOH sometime. You can bring your Jeep and drive to most of the obstacles, and with a short hike, watch the races. You can also drive around the Desert Valley floor as well. King of the Hammers makes a great vacation spot with lots to see and do. Or maybe you just like to watch the spectators as they try to traverse the freeway from hell, as I call it. And there is always the camper who can't back their rigs out of a tight spot. That is great, great fun. Take a bet. Well, yeah. Yeah, just put up signs, you know, eight, ten, seven. You Olympics, suck. Yeah. yeah. Hey, dude, why don't you let, yeah, you know what I want to yell 9.0. out? Hey, why don't you let your wife drive? She can get that out of there. Okay, never mind. Uh, either oh, way, <laughs> you got to come and enjoy. It's a fun time in the desert. You can also watch the big race this Saturday live on Ultra 4 Racing Live. And if you want highlights from all the races, check out their YouTube channel at KOH 2022. So have you guys ever been to KOH or would you like to go? I'm I'm there currently. Uh, there's dust in my microphone. I <laughs> <laughs> had snowflakes. Hey, let me ask you something. If 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 if, if it's Hammertown, is everything mm-hmm. there a nail? 
Is that how it uh, how things uh, roll there at Hammertown? Everything is going to be a nail if all you have is a hammer. No, no. So, come on, you're you're from the you, old CB. You're from the old CB era. You got to put the hammer down. Right. <laughs> so, Wendy, if I was just looking at the map because I never really have known where King of the Hammers is, other than the California mm-hmm. Desert, and you know that could be. <laughs> thousands of miles um so you're uh the, i guess uh south uh east of johnson valley and i'm looking at the roads there's uh looks like a, a road uh highway 18 i guess it is and it, but it looks like it's you would have to go to highway 18 and drive 600 miles to the northwest Mm-hmm. And then get on 247 and drive 1,500 miles. <laughs> it's not that far, Tony. <laughs> to the, almost due west. It's, can you, can you, you know, just cut out across the thing? Trust yes. the GPS and just hit, yes. hit the desert? Yes, forget the GPS. If you're, if you're coming from the highway fift, or freeway 15, the 15 freeway, which is the main freeway going through California, Okay. Um, you just go due east uh, and you can take highway 18. It becomes 247. Come, just keep straight. You don't have to do anything. So it's probably about an hour and a half. From that freeway point to Boone Road, which is the left turn you make. And then it's probably, I don't know, it feels like it takes forever. It's pure dirt road to get into this whole area and region. But That's it's cool. just, it's litter, li- literally littered with people camping, overlanders, people with big rigs. Oh, thank God. I thought you meant people that didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. But I mean, as you start to, as you start to get closer, you can see the dust because the, the racers are out there racing. Sure. So, mm-hmm. and there they go from this area back toward, let's, let's say the 15, they go into Johnson Valley and they drive all, all around. So it's got that desert racing. It's got the climbing, it's got rocks, it's got ravines, canyons. It's flipping insane, but it's the amount of people and they just, it's like they, they put a helmet on, they get in their side-by-side, side and they just drive. They don't even care. They're just reckless. I mean, it's it's kind of taking your life in your own hands when you're driving through that whole area. But once you get out into the places where you can go see the racers, it's it's amazing. So, is there any kind of facilities out there? Do you have to take uh, everything in with you? Water? Uh, pack it in, pack it out. Yep. Now, yep. in Hammertown, they, they provide like uh, you know, portable toilets. I even saw a sign that said hot showers were $20. So obviously, oh, you got to get the details. You got to get the details on the hot shower, though. That could be bad. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on where it's at, and what's going on. Um, and I think it's uh, let's see. You have to pay to get in. You have to pay to. I think it's thirty five dollars if you're camping for your site, which isn't bad. It's all dry camping, but you got to pay for hundreds being in the hundreds. desert. <laughs> yes, you do. But you know, there's people that also camp further out. I saw this time, like way out. So I'm sure they're not paying for anything. Um, but it's just interesting. It's so everybody comes and they camp and then they either ride their ATV or their motorcycle or their side by side or their Jeep. And then they'll drive into where the area is like by Hammertown or they drive to these obstacles and then you go back and you camp at night. But I'm sure it's noisy as heck. If you've done any camping in the desert, <laughs> you know, it I is. love quiet. <laughs> and I'm said, oh, said that, to you Bill, know there's those, no way. You know those people Ooh. are being quiet. Uh, oh, no. They are partying all night long, especially when they have the races at night. I mean, you can just check that on the, their YouTube channel and you can see all kinds of interesting things. It is. It's oh, insane. And so. I bet you none of them are using catalytic converters. Those bastards. I highly encourage you guys to check out a Google image search, uh, actually satellite image of, uh, of Johnson Valley OHV camp or Johnson OHV camp. Uh, type yeah. that into Google, you know, hit the maps button, uh, turn on your satellite layers on your map and then zoom in on this. You can see the entire area, all the tracks <laughs> that weave in and around it. I mean, it almost looks like the surface of the moon that you're looking yes! at. Um, yes. It is, it is actually absolutely spectacular. 
to get the un understanding of the scale of what this area is and what it has mm -hmm. to offer and everything. There are yeah. a ton of blogs and, and other things, videos out there and stuff like that. People that, that teach you how to go to King of Hammers on the on a budget and, and something like that. <laughs> we here at the Jeep Talk Show have for years uh, been been wanting to like sponsor KOH, see if we couldn't be the official podcast of King of the Hammers, uh, things yeah. like that. I would love to be able to go down there and and be an MC for the event, talk to guys as they come into the pits, things mm. like that. It would be amazing. an amazing experience. Uh, and, and it is it is something else from what I've seen from the from the live events. Now I've been covering, not covering, following. Uh, King of the Hammers for for years, and once they, I mean, they really stepped it up about five years ago and got into they the did. aerial footage and stuff like that. Yes, it, it really became an entirely different beast. And I yeah. would say the the general population of of Hammertown and just Johnson Valley in general during King of the Hammers week doubled after that for after that first year of aerial footage. Mm -hmm. well, you, once you actually got to see a perspective of the race yeah. from an aerial view and exactly what these cars are doing, how fast they're moving, yeah. and the kind of rain that they're going over. Oh, and I can and well imagine you do not get the same flavor from a camera, just like when you take your Jeep no. off-road and you try to... No. You, yeah. It's got to be a lot more exciting and just the, the yeah. base hitting you. Actually, the Zoom people were talking before the show about how they're taking uh, drones and flying them under the rigs as they're going off-road whenever there's oh. room underneath they'll literally fly mm. these drones underneath and give you an underneath perspective of wow of the the, the, the rigs in action yeah That's i, I think i think cool. one of the coolest things josh you've been following for a while but when you're actually there to, to feel that that thunder of those v8s you know it's this big equipment oh yeah oh, the base. But just see what they're setting how they set these up in the suspension um and there was a jeep parked i, I probably should have posted that picture off to find it get off my phone but there's the, the Jeep was so tall that it was 58 and a quarter inch tire, or 58 <laughs> and a quarter. I had to go up to it. It's, I, I, I think I'm five foot seven <laughs> in, and, and three quarters. It's like came up to my shoulders. That's how big the tires were. I'm thinking. Now, this was a show. Big. This is all show and no go. I'm yeah, guessing. Well, who knows? I mean, he looked like he'd been out. It was it was pretty beat up, but well, I, I've, I just I've seen I've seen various aspects of King of the Hammers. There's there's the King of the Hammers that, you know, you have the the motorsport enthusiasts, the people who are who are there because of the race, because of uh -huh. the machines and everything like that. Then you have the spectators, the people who like to do the partying at night because yes. Johnson Valley, Hammertown turns into one of the world's largest parties <laughs> once the sun goes down. Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about LED lighting technology like oh. you've never seen before? There, there yeah. you go. Oh, the UFOs awesome. go there to get tit lighting tips. I, I would I would say that uh, one of the most spectacular events is the, the yearly backdoor shootout. Now, yes. Backdoor is is one of those waterfalls that Wendy was talking about in in her segment there, and and it is the, so you've got these these insanely quarter million, half million dollar buggies yep. that are trying to go up a sheer face waterfall as fast as they can, mm -hmm. and carnage ensues. And of course, yep. so you've got you know you've got twenty, thirty, forty thousand people all strewn on either side of this valley <laughs> that this that this this waterfall is in. And watching these guys throw their vehicles against this wall. <laughs> it's insane. In, in, hope, in hopes of catching a line that they can get up and over it. And it, it, you're right. There is no other word for it other than insane. It is yeah. entertainment like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and best. I'm talking from an aspect completely bone stone sober as well. Yeah. Now you start adding alcohol and everything else <laughs> to the mix. Forget you're it. having a hell of a good time. <laughs> oh, it is oh, a I, lot of fun. I, 
I've been wanting to go to King of Hammers for years. Uh, it's just it's it's a little bit out of reach for me. It's one of those things where I just I don't have the setup. Honestly, trying to tent camp for King no. of the Hammers would be <laughs> no. ridiculous. You know, if you're even considering it, you need to have an RV. Bare minimum. Yes. You got to rent it's, one. It's cold. I mean, it was 29 this morning there. Like just yeah, like Tony. Gonna be cold at night. It's going to be yep. ridiculously hot during the day. No shower, no running water. You're going to get dirty. You're going to get dusty. You're going to have grit in your teeth. I mean, it's 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 an experience. Just, <laughs> but it is an experience. But then there's the other aspect of King of the Hammers that resembles a little bit more a Burning Man. And you see these insanely crazy built vehicles like, you know, yes. a Suburban with dualies on the front. You know, you <laughs> have people walking around that look like they're out of some cartoon show or something. It's like, what the hell are you wearing? You know, Sounds it, like you've been all, there, Josh. <laughs> all kinds of interesting characters. Like I'm saying, I've been following this for years. It is. And, and it's, so, so, it's true. You know, I, I live vicariously through all the people who can afford to go to the King of the Hammers and stuff. So. Yeah. I, I could wax poetically about this event for hours, but I know we're running long on this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it short. Really, folks, uh, King of the Hammers is one of those things that you need to add to your bucket list if you've ever wanted to wheel the Rubicon or or wheel Moab or something like that. Johnson Valley and King of the Hammers should be in that list somewhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and like I said, if you want to watch that Saturday race, that is the ultimate race. I've got the link in the show notes for you. So, and I'll if you guys, uh, yep. <laughs> that's right, do it. And listen, if you have a topic or a suggestion for me, just hop on over to Jeep Talk Show and let us know. Jeep Talk Show. What is it, guys? I just messed up. JeepTalkShow.com. Last contact. Actually, I was checking to see if they were paying attention. But anyway, <laughs> check it out. You guys, give us, give me a shout out if you got some ideas or suggestions for Numi Nuggets. I'd appreciate it. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys for free for how many years now, and I figure it's time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit. Wendy, Josh, I know you guys see the same uh, emails that uh, everybody, uh, all the rest of the hosts uh, see where we get people and they say, you know, thank you for all you do. Thanks for putting the, the putting your time into the show. And I, I think we've talked about this uh, briefly in the past about how much time we put into it. Uh, Josh, what did you, what did you tell me that you put in a couple hours between Wednesday and Thursday getting prepared for the show? <laughs> Tony, I, I spend over 10 hours a week on the show. Wow, I, I'm 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 in the studio on Wednesdays between the hours of uh, well, I'm I'm in anywhere between five and ten at least. I'm usually in here around four thirty or or so, four o'clock. And then show night and on show days, I'm in here between uh, from four o'clock to ten o'clock or later. So I mean, it's it's a minimum of six hours on Thursday and a minimum of, of four to five hours on on Wednesday. So it's anywhere from ten to eleven hours a week minimum that I'm spending doing production, writing, and, and other stuff for the show. So, Wendy, I probably should have asked you first because uh, now you feel like you got to say eleven hours. But no, um, <laughs> I'm not going to. You, say you put in a fair amount of time as well uh, for well, your yeah, movie nugget segment. I I want to do research, or you know what, my hours also might be actually in the Jeep doing something where I'm using that as content. But you know, I do contribute to the show on Thursday. I do put my little segment together and you know try to do that. So I'm not as many hours as Josh, but I definitely put in the time and. Hopefully they like it. And most of my time has been spent during my entire life becoming the consummate uh, smartass 
that you guys look forward to so much on the show. But no, seriously. Uh, and you do it well, Tony, by thank the way. You, thank you. Thank you very much. So, so very well. I'm, a prof- I'm a professional. Kids, don't try yeah. this at home. Yeah, don't. Uh, unless don't. you want to get slapped. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but I do editing on the show. I, uh, I get the show uh, uh, published so you guys can get to it. And uh, that's probably an hour uh, on show night and then a couple hours and then there's uh, graphics and there's uh, social media stuff that I try to get out there to get the people to know about the show so yeah i, I you know i think we all kind of go it's nothing you know it's it's a fun thing so mm-hmm. and so forth but when you really stop and think about it we're putting in hours of our time to get this thing going so if you i know somebody tells me you guilted me into not exactly. being a rat bastard I, anymore I <laughs> so we're working on it really hard tonight <laughs> so get, b- believe me we love hearing from you we love the thanks uh, but uh, go that extra step, become a paid subscriber, and uh, help uh, give a little back for the show. And if you can't become a paid subscriber, maybe you don't do PayPal, certainly understand that. Uh, the thing you, sh- and you should do this as well, tell people about the show. Get more people in here, because the more people we have here, the more likely we are to get paid subscribers, and the more things we can do, like send Josh to King of the Hammers. Well, oh, and in an inflatable and, tent, and send blankets to Tony. Apparently, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and blankets. blankets to Tony. <laughs> but we certainly really, really appreciate all of the current paid subscribers. Thank you so much, and we are happy to be here and do this show. Uh, we would just like to be able to do a little more, and we just don't have the money to do it. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And last week, Tony, you butchered the name of my podcast. It's not the 10 minute podcast. <laughs> my job. Knew it's it. called the 10 minute off road podcast with oh, your host, geez. Nikki G. Where I talk about all things off road for about 10 minutes or so. Yeah, but mostly it's just me groaning on about how I, how much I hate social media. And you mentioned, Tony, that I call in on a few other podcasts and you're absolutely right. I occasionally call in on other podcasts such as. Rude One Six to Grind, Snail Trail, which uh, they talk about Toyotas mostly, so no one really listens to it, <laughs> and the 4x4 podcast with uh, Lieutenant Dan, as well as some lesser-known podcasts, such as the Potato of the Week podcast, and the Boogers and Snot, Why Do They Taste the Way They Do podcast, and of course, Joe Rogan Experience, but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you the easiest time to add Insult to injury is when signing somebody's cast. Oh. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. And you have a good one. Bye. I think that was a Nikki G original. I think that yeah. was a Nikki G original. Yeah. <laughs> so Wendy must have had enough, and Nikki G got something broken on him now. That's where it came from. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, come scratch this for me. Not the not the uh, lovely host, the Wendy, host. but the yes. lovely Nikki G the wife, wife Wendy. Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's clarify that, shall we? <laughs> this is Zach from CNM Jeeps. This is Lisa Simon from Chim Perfect. This is Alan Peterson with Painless Performance Wiring. This is Amy from TNA Decal. This is Neil from SFJ4x4.com. This is Randall Spear, motorsports manager from Dana Aftermarket. This is Paul Wolf from ENI USA RM. I'm John Eastmore from Black Forest. This is Nathan Leahy from Mickey Thompson Tires and Wheels. And, and you're listening, listening to the Jeep, Jeep Talk Show. And a nice big Jeep wave goes out to all of our friends and fans in the off road industry. We thank you for your support.
just think, Wendy, we could be at uh, King of the Hammers right now. We could with all that fun stuff and the party go- partying going on and all the lights and craziness. Oh, you kids are just too loud. Tone it down over there. They wouldn't be able to hear, even be able to hear. No, it. they wouldn't hear it at all. <laughs> be like, shut up, have another beer. <laughs> Oh, so another camp fireside chat. We uh, have the Zoom people here tonight. They're here. Uh, I think they're here every night. I think they're just using the Zoom room every every night and just meeting. <laughs> no, actually, they're on the on the I Discord. They're, they're squatters at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if we can charge thirty five dollars for camping. Uh, for, oh yes, for each seat each week. <laughs> like where this is going. This is good. This is how we'll raise it. Well, if you're new to the show, this is the part of the podcast where we go ahead and uh, pull up around the campfire. We invite you, the listener, to join us. We're going to go ahead and talk about one particular topic or another. It's very similar to our uh, roundtable discussion type of shows that you hear on uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, this is a little bit different. Uh, we do it during the uh, this part of the show, and it's a much more condensed version of that. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about suspension and suspensions in general. Uh, there's all kinds of different flavors of suspension out there. Three-link, four-link, using drop brackets, got long arms, leaf springs. What's the best performing Jeep suspension that you've seen, used, or heard of? Uh, and uh, so we're going to go around. we got a whole bunch of listeners around the campfire tonight, and we're going to go through this list as best we can. Probably going to uh, uh, have to uh, skip a few people here around uh, uh, around the ring here. Uh, that's just because of a time constraint. But if I don't call on you, nothing personal. Uh, it's just because we kind of ran out of time. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, and just hit the list up and uh, let's talk with uh, with Travis. Travis, uh, let's let's talk three link. Let's talk four link. Let's talk leaf springs. What's the best performing Jeep suspension you've seen or used? I'm gonna go with Longhorn. Probably best performing I've seen. Um, I personally have leaf springs and it's a rough fun ride. Um, Longhorn, hands down, I've seen has been the best off-road that I'm aware of or been a part of uh, as a passenger in a vehicle because my leaf springs definitely are fantastic. I love my three-and-a-half-inch BDS. Love it, but long arm, hands down, I'm going to go with the best. You know, I've seen leaf sprung YJs outperform uh, a long arm Wrangler uh, on, on an RTI ramp. And it's all about setup and, and how things are dialed in and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I you know, cool there lover. are you know, a, 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 a sort of rule of thought, a train of thought. Oh, well, yeah, a long arm has to be the, can you, can you get the most articulation out of it? Well, not in every case, uh, at least not in, as far as I've seen. Now, it, I, again, it all depends on how you're, how you're equipped. You know, we've seen uh, long arm kits uh, out there that d- just uh, turn their axles perpendicular to each other. Uh, again, it all depends on on how you how you set it up. Uh, let's uh, move over to Larry Jeep and Mo. Larry, uh, let's talk about suspension. What's the best performing suspension that you've seen? Well, I'm kind of with Travis. I've seen a lot of long arms out there do some really nice work. I'm running stock, you know, stock suspension on my JL, but uh, maybe someday move up to the long arm setup. And that stock suspension still gets it done. Something to be said Absolutely. about a four-link suspension, you know, I mean, that, and that's what that's what the front and rear of, of uh, the Wranglers have uh, is is a four-link suspension system. Now we've seen a three-link out there as well. Um, that's uh, you know, there's a few manufacturers out there that uh, 
uh, that are pushing those. And, and, you know, there are some discussions we can go around uh, as far as the pros and cons between the three link and a four link as well. Uh, Jimmy Jeep, uh, what, where do you fall in on this topic? Well, I, I currently run a long arm four link and I'm a huge fan of that, but I don't think there's really anything that outperforms a triangulated four link. Anytime you can ditch that pan hard bar and just have your axle yes. free floating on those, those, uh, control arms. I mean, just as long as you have your spring rate, right, it's going to flex all crazy. No, you're hundred percent right. That, that pan hard bar is, is sort of the limit strap in that kind of a system. And, and ordinarily you would need to have that there, that the job of that device is to center the axle underneath the Jeep and keep it go from going left to right. Now you triangulate those long arms instead of having them perpendicular, you know, parallel to each other, uh, and all of a sudden they start acting like that pan hard bar and keeping the axle from moving side to side too much. It's got to be set up perfectly though, because you can get into a lot of issues with binding and other things like that. Uh, suspension geometry is one of those things that uh, uh, you almost need a degree uh, to be able to pull off right. What about Bill? Bill, uh, what do you where do you fall in on this topic as far as suspension goes? What's good? What's not good? Um, I mean, when I was up in Colorado, I saw some Jeeps out there with some, you know, long arms that were just eating up the trail. You know, I mean, we were kind of taking things slow with the, kind of our, our stock, you know, suspension setups. And, you know, I saw some guys in there. They were kind of just passing us up. And those things were just, you know, so, you know, soaking up the trails. So, I don't know. That's probably the best, you know, as far as what I've seen. I mean, compared to a stock setup, you know, a long arm system will definitely outperform. I mean, we can go, you know, through comparisons and stuff as far as, you know, well, yeah, a long arm will definitely outperform a stock system. Uh, but then again, you know, as far as, uh, you know, a four link, you know, there's different versions of a four link that can outperform other versions of a four link. Um, what about, uh, uh, let's talk with, with Greg here. Greg, um, what would you say is, uh, is better, three link or four link? I don't know the difference between the two. I don't have a lot of experience in knowledge and the different types of suspensions out there so i'm just driving an xj with the the three there i did a three inch lift on the coils in the front and an add a leaf in the back and that's all my experience i have just driving pastures and farm roads or farm or uh, fire trails rather so and he's doing I've just fine with all that fancy stuff josh hell yeah, yeah. right getting it done with yeah. what you got that's what it's all about uh, Christopher WJ coming from the Grand Cherokee side of things. Now, Christopher, you got a slightly different setup than uh, than somebody from running like a TJ or or even an XJ uh, for that matter. Uh, what would you say is the best setup as far as suspension goes for a Jeep? Uh, I'm going to say the long arm kits because one, you get the the smoothest ride, the least amount of arc whenever your tire drops. It's not going to go back towards the the fender if you mm -hmm. drop say six inches it's not going to go back two inches and so with a short arm kit you get that and uh plus long arms are a, a much smoother ride because the they take the bumps and they move them into an area that is uh, well equipped for that much force you know, there's some great videos out there that compare a short arm to a long arm kit and why the ride quality is just so much better on a lifted vehicle with long arms than it is with short arms. Now, that's where um, I would bring into the conversation the issue of drop brackets. 
Now, a lot of people don't know about drop brackets, and it, it basically mount, uh, takes the, the mounting point of where uh, your, your, your control arms would mount to the body, or the frame rather, and drops them down. Uh, so that the angle of those control arms are a lot less than what they would be uh, otherwise. Now, this is compensated in a long arm kit by moving that, uh, that mounting point way down the frame further, uh, and thusly reducing the angle of those control arms. A steeper control arm angle is going to create a much, much harsher ride, uh, even on the trail, uh, but off the trail it's going to be a lot more noticeable. Uh, I've seen a Comanche with drop brackets completely outperform a, a long arm setup XJ um, just because of the way that it was set up. Uh, just amazing articulation capabilities if they're done correctly. Bill Stevens uh, up here with us. Uh, Bill, uh, what would you say is, uh, is the best performing Jeep suspension out there? Uh, really depends on what you're trying to do. The long arm does offer the smoother ride, but you know, you're talking about the drop brackets and the whole reason behind long arm is to get better articulation and that's if you have shocks that'll travel far enough to let the actual droop but you if you've got drop brackets on there you're going to turtle you're just going to hang them up on the rock so it's kind of yeah. counterproductive no you're right that is a, a a big draw a big negative draw to drop brackets they are going to be that low-hanging fruit you're going to be dragging you're going to catch them uh it's going to require you to have a whole new level of 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 tire placement ability, uh, being able to spot your line and be able to stay on that line. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's one of those cheaper alternatives. If you can't afford a long arm kit and they are expensive, uh, drop brackets are a fraction of the cost and can get you a degree of that kind of performance for a fraction of the price. Uh, how about Bob, two cheap Jeep guys, Bob, uh, what would you say is the best performing Jeep suspension? Uh, if I were building one, I'd go long arm on coilovers for my TJ or an LJ. There you go. Not too shabby. Coilovers definitely give you that that uh, that droop and that compression. Coilovers just have a lot more travel to them than a standard shock would. Uh, if you don't know what coilovers are and, and how they compare up to a shock, by all means, go check it out. You will be impressed. Chris with 7slats.com. Chris, uh, what would you say is the better performing suspension system for a Jeep? Well, I'm, I don't have any experience with long arms, but I'm hearing some good points. I, I think just for my purposes, a, a pretty stock suspension. Uh, my buddy has a JL with some dual rate springs and a two-door. I'd say with the dual rate springs that he has, it uh, rides nicer than my four-door JK. He's in a two-door JL uh, and gives good articulation, good flex, but a good on-road performance. So I think my next thing would be dual rate springs in my JK. You know, the springs definitely have a lot to do with, uh, with the suspension and how it rides and everything like that. Uh, but it's only, uh, it's only a part of the, of the whole suspension system. Uh, and it all has to play together. Uh, so you all have to, you have to make sure that it all works together the way that it should. Uh, Garrett, uh, what were you, what would you, uh, how would you chime in on this, uh, on this topic? Um, I would say long arms would be better is, um, I have two Jeeps. I have a just has a short arm metal cloak lift on it with the dual rate springs. And then I have a ZJ and it has a long arm in the front. Um, and it's more of like a three link radius arm. So it deleted yeah. the um, passenger side upper control arm. And I would say long arm. 
You know, uh, I saw an interesting video, an interesting breakdown on on uh, suspension geometry and and specifically in long arm design. And if you were to be building your own long arm system, uh, just how hard it is uh, to get all those numbers right and get that all all that geometry to work perfectly with everything else. And there's a lot that goes into it. I, I saw uh, Ian on Extreme Four by Four. Uh, give a really good breakdown. If you ever uh, want to check out long arm geometry and how it all works and get a better understanding as far as how long arms work on, a, on an off-road vehicle, look up that video and, uh, and it'll take you to school and really give you some really good information on that. Who's going by iPhone on this Chuck. list? All right. What, let's Chuck go ahead. And, all right, Chuck. Let's, uh, let's talk suspension. What you got? So I, I run a spring over axle. I actually took YJ Springs and did a spring over axle on my CJ5 rock crawler. Yeah. Uh, I think it's absolutely spectacular. I've got 88 inch wheelbase, but I get 30 over 36 inches of articulation, which is Dang. pretty crazy for yeah. a very sh small Jeep. And really the best setup that I've ever had back in the late nineties, we were doing things called three quarter elliptical springs and doing what's called a buggy spring setup. My buddies were doing the three-quarter elliptical, and what they were doing is they were actually taking their spring pack and cutting it in half and turning it backwards. So it would be upside down. The thicker part would be attached to the frame, and then the spring would just go down to the axle, and then they'd put a gimbal housing down there. So you only had half of a spring, and then they'd triangulate it. And then that you know rear end would be able to drop you know, four or five feet. I mean, it was absolutely oh, yeah. crazy. And what I did on mine, which is called a buggy spring setup, is I left my springs arced up like normal. And then I, I actually cut my shackle mount off of my frame and attached another spring to the shackle. And it, I made it go back. So you actually had two springs. But what would happen is when your tire would drop, your shackle would actually remove from your frame and go and go down as it dropped. And I had feet and feet and feet of dropping. But the scary part was when you were going on the road and you braked, your rear end would <laughs> yeah. have a tendency to flip up in the air. I was just going to ask about that whole unloading of that suspension in a braking maneuver yeah. or, or off-camber situations where it would just sort of unload on you. Uh, and just sort it's, of fold out and stuff. Uh, did you have issues with that a, a lot? Uh, not, not really. So what I did with my buggy spring on, it was on a 59 Willie CJ5. And what I did is I built a bracket with a pin. So when I was sitting on the road and I wasn't dropped or anything, I oh, could you slide could lock a pin up to the buggy yeah. spring and then it would lock it out. And then you can drive around the road and you know, you know, and have fun and put the kids in the back. Well, Everything's fine. Yeah. And then when you go off road, you disconnect off pin road. And yeah. then right on. Well, and you yeah. could get rid of tailgaters yeah. if you left it disconnected. <laughs> right. <laughs> that rear end go way <laughs> that, <laughs> Holy crap. I mean, that, that, that's way old school stuff. And, you know, we were all very young and, and learning engineering and stuff like that and designing Dude, that is all of that kind technology. of stuff. It's, it was that real is, fun to do it. Yeah. That is lost technology uh, to, to a lot of today's, I mean, because, you know, what we go off of is what we see. What we see is what we're advertised to. Uh, and, and you know, it, you don't see core elliptical springs and, and stuff like that on, on any stuff except for on forums or out on the trail with truggies and stuff like that. You just don't see that kind of stuff. 
and, and so this is a lost technology to a lot of people. I am so glad you chimed in uh, with this stuff and, and had a chance to, to talk about that a little bit. Um, I want to get to one more person. Uh, let's call on Tom P. Tom, uh, what would you say is the best performing uh, suspension system out there? Well, pretty much like everybody else, long arm is going to be the smoothest ride. Usually, usually handles all the articulation you can get, whether you've got shocks and coils or coilovers. My JK happens to have a three-link rear and then a four-link front, and then the Grand uh, has a triangulated three-link and then the radius arm four-link in the front. And they both work extremely well. Interesting. I've I've usually seen the three link up front, but the four link in the rear. Uh, is was that a custom design or was that an off the shelf system? It's the rock crawler. It's the the lower mm -hmm. links are straight, and then the center link comes off of a mount up above the drive, like right then directly in line with the drive shaft, right over the center of the axle. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. Great system. Great performing system as well. I love three link myself. You get rid of that bind that a four link system uh, can potentially have uh, in there and you get a lot more articulation out of it with all the same road manners and stuff as well. Now, would I run a three link system on a daily driver? That's a conversation for another show. Uh, great, great topics, uh, great topic conversation here. I'm glad everybody had a chance to chime in. I really want to hear from my uh, uh, co-host really quick. Tony, uh, where do you chime in on this? What's a suspension system? Right. I knew you. Smart ass. <laughs> the suspense is killing me. Uh, so I have not had a chance to use the long arms on the XJ yet. Uh, but now I'm wondering, since it's a four link, if I can just remove the uh, track bar. <laughs> no. I mean, yes, you can. Sure, uh, but, you can. And please, and please uh, put a camera in the in the vehicle yes, and then next time you drive. Video. Yeah, because I want to see that too. But uh, it, uh, I've got the uh, the 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 four link uh, long arm suspension system from uh, Ironman Four by Four Fab dot com, uh, or we as we like to refer to him, Iron Man Andy. And mm -hmm. uh, oh, it's just a beautiful, beefy, beefy setup. And uh, I, I, I've I've driven it uh, many miles uh, since I installed it. Just haven't taken it off road yet. So uh, I really like that. And of course, I'd really like to have the other half of that and uh, four link the rear as well. But uh, you know, I, I think for as much uh, off roading as I'm, I'm I've done in the XJ, it is. And, and I've kind of learned this by uh, taking the uh, the JT out. I probably could have just left the xj alone not had as nearly as much fun building it but i probably didn't need to do all this stuff to the xj to take it out and wheel and be just fine i mean i've got a a really well-built xj exactly no yeah. we've been talking about that that, that point until uh, you've experienced it firsthand though you don't you don't necessarily believe it no it, it, it's true. true it's true definitely yeah, true it, it, Especially coming from a bunch of yahoos like us. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm. I, I, I'm sure that you're telling the truth. It's just you know how you. A lot of people have to uh, experience it to fully appreciate what's being said. Uh, and uh, the, and you guys should listen to this whenever we talk about that. You can take your stock uh, Jeep uh, straight out there and and wheel it. Uh, yep. With lot caveats, yeah. with you know somebody else with you, be careful, so on and so forth. But it is is very capable from the factory. Very capable. Mm -hmm. Wendy, anything to add? No, uh, I think Bill covered it all. I mean, we have a four-link suspension and we have coil springs, so we're good. We like it. Good stuff. <laughs> I like it. 
Yeah. Well, I want to thank everybody around the campfire tonight, even if I didn't get a chance to call on you. Jimmy, Bill, Dustin, Greg, uh, Christopher, is, and Bill as well. Bob, Chris, Garrett, and uh, John Lee. Uh, who was that? Uh, Chuck that was on the iPhone. Yep. Uh, Keith, Steve, Tom, Travis, and Larry. A big group of Jeepers so around the campfire. So glad Travis is back. Yeah. And uh, well, I, lo- I love having each and every one of these guys around the campfire. And you yourself could be around the campfire on the very next campfire side chat segment that we're doing here on the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, and we're going to talk about how you can get in on that action here right now. You can do it by uh, following us on Facebook. You can receive notifications via our newsletter. Tony, how does somebody sign up for that newsletter? It's so simple, Josh. I'm glad you asked because I like the simple <laughs> stuff. You just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, scroll on down, look for the magic word newsletter, and you'll put your email address in there. And then once a week, you're going to get something from uh, from us telling us, telling you a little something, something. This last newsletter, I actually put a personal, uh, personally written story in there. And it has something to do with what I was just telling you about uh, uh, the XJ and the uh, the Gladiator. Um, it even talks about a friend of mine that uh, longtime XJ owner that sold his XJ recently, his beloved XJ, because <gasps> all he drives is his uh, uh, Jeep truck off road now. Mm. Oh, see, you do have a favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, folks. We don't spam you, and it's very easy to unsubscribe for our newsletter. Check it out. It's the best way to get in on the action with the Jeep Talk Show and the Campfire Side Chat. Well, that's all we got for this episode, Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to check us out, or be sure to check out and fill out, more importantly, the Jeep Talk Show surveys when they come up. We've got one going on right now. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. You know, I would have known it tasted like this. I'd have shoved some in my mouth years ago. Talking about Bucky Nuggets, you sick bastard. <laughs> oh, I'm guessing since 2010.